Good morning, Redeemer, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. Glad to be worshiping with you. Um, man, I just love singing with God's people. It's so great. So thanks for musicians for doing that, all the hard work and time and heart that you put into that. So it's a real blessing to me. Um, so I'm tight on time today. I'm going to pray and ask God. So today I'm going to ask God for help. God, thank you for your goodness. And yeah, I pray that you would <clears throat> help me sort through my notes here. And, but mostly, God, for us, that you would reveal your heart for us, your love, that we would feel loved. We would feel loved. Amen. Okay, so Isaiah 38, here's the context. We, if you were with us last week, you know that Assyria was at the gates and Hezekiah prayed and God answered that prayer and sent Assyria packing. Now, they're not out of the woods yet. Babylon will be coming. But for now, there's a little bit of a room to breathe. But then what happens is Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, King of Israel, gets sick. If you look at um, what, what the scripture reader read today is in the context of Hezekiah being ill and God telling him that he's going to die and him crying out to God. So if we look back at verse 38, or I'm sorry, chapter 38, verse 1, says this, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. So again, at the gates. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall, you shall die. You shall not recover. And what happens is that Hezekiah prays. Again, we saw that last week, right? Because you prayed. Hezekiah prays, and God answers and says, I will save you, basically, because you prayed. And what we see in verses 9 through 20 is Hezekiah's response. So let's just go through this quickly, and then I want to zero in on one word. So verses 10 through 13, 15 are him describing what it's like to be walking daily with the sentence of death, right? My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me. I, Like a lion, God breaks all my bones. Verse 14, like a swallow or a crane, I chirp, I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. I am oppressed. And then he says to God in verse 14, be my pledge of safety. He cries to him, O oh Lord, by these things, verse 16, men live, and in these is the life of my spirit. O oh, restore to me health and make me live. Save me. You saved me from Assyria. Save me from death. Verse 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. I wanted to be well. Felt like I was going to die. And so I felt like bitter. But in love, you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. So God answers him, delivers him from the pit of destruction. And in a minute here, we'll see the response to that, which is praise. So we're going to talk about praise. But the one word I want to linger on is love. Like You can just fly through this whole passage, right? And then here's Hezekiah's story. But what happened? Like God loved him. God loves his people. 
I asked someone yesterday, do you feel loved by God? This is someone who's been a Christian a long time. Do you, do you feel loved? Like, is that your experience of God? And she said, not most of the time. Most of the time, and I, I can identify with that. I feel like when I relate to God, I think of him in terms of truth. He's right, and he reigns, and he's powerful, and he's confounding, and he's not like man. He's everlasting. He's indestructible. He's invincible. And he loves me. I don't live there. And it's crazy because it's the thing. That's the whole thing. That invincible, powerful, omnipotent, invincible God. Invincible, infinite in his affections. Infinite in his capacity to pour out love and delight. Says to his people, I love you. In love, he saved Hezekiah. He looked on Hezekiah and he pitied him. And he said, I love you. Like, do you feel loved? Is that how you walk around this earth, feeling loved? Like, what would that do to a human? What happened to the disciples? Did Jesus equip them for ministry? Yeah. Did he train them? Yeah. Did he show them how to do evangelism? Yeah. But I think the essential thing that happened was they were loved. John refers to himself as a disciple that Jesus loved. And out of that love, because of that, he was willing to be boiled alive. So do you feel loved? Am I making this, is this man-centered religion? Listen to this, Isaiah 62 later. So just listen to the words of God. He's talking to Israel. It applies to the church. You who come to Christ, you shall no, no more be termed forsaken. But you shall be called, my delight is in her. It's man-centered, God. For the Lord delights in you. Do you feel that way? You feel like God delights in you. What it's like to be delighted in. Does anybody delight in you? If you know what that's like on earth, maybe your wife delights in you. Maybe your husband. Maybe you delight in your kids. You have some shadow of that. God is saying that. That is how I feel about you. That's, so that's literally where I'm going. That word. Love. Do you feel loved? Do you feel delighted in? God delights in you. He loves you. He treasures you. He likes you. He's happy with how you are. He wants to be with you. He's glad to have you in the family. He looks into your face and soul and says, my delight is in you. What impact do you want to have in this world? So we're in this world that has all kinds of different opinions about God and philosophy and politics, and we jump in and we get involved and we talk. And what is the result you want? Like when we engage with people, what do we want their reaction to be? 
You're right. You know what? You're right. You argue effectively. Your arguments are invincible. Is that what we're looking for? Imagine this. Imagine if you lived your life in such a way that when people encountered you, they said, you seem well-loved. You're at rest. You're not desperate. You're not quick to fight. Like you're secure in something. You seem well-loved. Who is loving you? That's, that's a vision for mission. I have no idea where I'm at my notes. <laughs> that's fine. Um, we... The tragedy of the human experience is absence of that experience of love and then but the deep insatiable need for it and the hot pursuit of it in anything we can find, including one another, tragically. We search for that love I read a quote earlier this week, posted on Facebook by one of our members, said this, until I got to know him, that doesn't mean know about him, but it means know him. Like, until I got to know him, my identity, my sense of who I am, would be made up of whatever dust that flew up from the devil's feet as he ran through the earth. I'd take anything. And we go out and we search for love. The symptoms are that we're anxious, we're scared, we're overbooked, we're overspent, we're easily offended, we conform, we embrace unhealthy relationships and patterns. I was thinking about my children the other day. You know, one, one of the other things that you do when, you, when you're not in God's love and you're trying to get that from others is you smother people. Like you want, you put the entire weight of your soul on them. And it crashes relationships, ruins them. It's not just lovers. It's, we do this, people do it to me. I do it to you. I can't bear you. You're unbearable. <laughs> God can bear you. My wife and I, we love our kids, and I'm sure we've smothered them, and they delight in us, but that's changing because they're getting into their teenage years, and I just look forward and imagine this day in several years when they will walk around this earth looking for someone to smother. And I just want, I want them to know God loves you. Like, God loves you. He delights in you. He, I don't love you like he does. I don't even know you or see you. He sees you. He loves you.
And so how do you respond to that? Well, a lot of ways, right? We go out into the world, and as Hezekiah says, the father (laughs) makes known to his children and everyone else his faithfulness. We bear witness. We tell them. We tell them about love. We tell them about the one who hears us, who sees our fragility, who sees our weakness, who sees our invincibility, and says, I love you. And we praise him. So this is Hezekiah's, this is a prayer and a praise. Right? God answers him and delivers him from the pit of destruction. Why? Verse 18, for Sheol does not thank you. If Hezekiah is dead, he's not praising God. So there's a couple motivations here. God loves you, and he loves to be praised. Because he loves you, he, bring, he lets you praise him. Death does not praise you. The living, the living he thanks you, as I do to this day. So this is the response. I was at the dinner table last night, and I said to my kids, because we're talking about adoration, praise, adoring God. I was thinking about that. I said, hey, um, before we're dismissed, I want you to tell your mother something you adore about her. And uh, one of my girls said, <laughs> I love the way you love us. Which on its, you know, one, at first, you know, fast pass or something, it seems like, oh, it's all about you, right? It's man-centered. But, but it's not like it's, isn't that the thing? Like, that's the thing. Wow, you are so loving. How can, you, how can I tell? Because I'm the recipient of that. They're, not, they're, not sep- they're the same side of two different coins or whatever. God, you love us well. That's praise. It's not just about God. Well, tell me about this, God. He so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. His love is glorious. His love is infinite, and it's manifested in his people, toward his people, for his people. God, we love the way you love us. You're faithful. You will never leave or forsake us. Listen, we become Christians by trusting in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us. He paid the penalty for our sins, and he forgives us by faith. We just come to him and cry for mercy. That's it. 100% recipients of eternal life. Invited into that love. We don't do anything to get in. Which means we can't do anything to get out. I was talking to a guy recently who says, he's not a believer. He's like, well, so this God you stand up and talk about, like, what's in it for me? And, you know, part of me wants to go, uh, he won't crush you. How about that? You owe him your allegiance. Uh, um, but also, there's another angle. He won't leave you or forsake you. Your wife did. Your wife left you. She looked at you and at some point said, enough. And I'm not saying, look, you could judge her or you might know the story and go, Well, maybe she should have left. Listen, God won't. You didn't get yourself in this love. You can't get yourself out. He will never leave you or forsake you. You are loved. Now, 
in that security, in that place, in that embrace, by go and be. So Hezekiah praises him. And so we do. Now, we do this corporately, and we will do this today. But listen, Hezekiah's prayer here was probably written in private. Like, in private, would you adore God? Like, would your prayer life not just be asking for things, but just adoring Him? Are you comfortable sharing words of adoration with people? We're not, usually. When we're young in our romantic relationships, you know, it's flying all the time. There's a hormones. <laughs> then it just, where did it go? Do you speak words of encouragement to your peers? I've been the recipient of that. Recently, we had some friends over for dinner, and wife was just encouraging us. Hey, look, we respect you guys. We love you. We're so glad to be a part of your church. Like, oh, it's encouraging. Thank you. Like, we struggle with that with one another, therefore, and we struggle with that with God. Just adoring Him, praising Him, telling Him the wonderful things that He has revealed and done, His faithfulness. And some of you struggle with it for different reasons. Some of you just... You're in pain. But I'm telling you, that's the way out. You don't wait for the pain to go away so you can praise. You praise your way out of the pain. Because He is faithful and He is good and the reason that you're lacking faith and delight is because of lies that are coming in and the only way to chase those out is with the truth. You can't just sit there and wait for the pain to go away. You got to fight and you praise your way out of pain. And so do that privately and do it corporately. And we will do that. I want to talk to men. We all struggle, but men struggle more to be affectionate, to express that. Men, God invites you into, God loves you. Well, I don't need love. Ah. As a pastor, I, whatever, I heard a pastor say this once. You shouldn't sing love songs at church because it turns men off. It's soft. And I just want to say, like maybe instead of asking God to change in the presence of men, we should ask men to change in the presence of God. My son is 14. He still holds my hand. I'm very aware of this. He will stop one day. Would that be good? 
Will that be because of a good reason? No. There's no reason grown men shouldn't hold hands. There's literally no reason. Go to other cultures. They do it. Something is being done to the men. So, yeah, be strong, right? Do all the things that you embrace as men. And, but, man, okay, just look at Jesus. There he is. There, that's a man. The man of men. Not a wimp. Crown of thorns that he ordained. Right? Not just was forced upon him. He's like, oh, I'm going to create a planet. There's going to be humans that hate me. We're going to give them some wood. They're going to make crowns of thorns. Make a cross and put me on it. He's not weak. And he loves. The disciple John laid on his bosom. Jesus was a man of affections. Jesus delights in you. No one has ever been more loving and tender than Christ. He's the toughest, tough as nails, right? Tender, the lamb. Like, he invites you into that. Don't try holding my hand. I'm not there yet, bro. Like, hold God's hand, all right? Let's sing. Let's uh, transition into a time of response here. Um, so this is the time to be lavish with our affections. Here's what we're doing. We're adoring God. We are pouring out adoration. We are singing songs about who he is, what he has done for us. Let's be lavish. I'm going to sing. It's an opportunity to give online. If you're watching online, there should be a link below in the Facebook comments. You can also text to give. There's a number 84321. Text any amount to that. You can uh, give and support this church. Thank you for all of those that do that. And um, Lord willing, we're being good stewards of that money and using it to bless you, to bless the city. If you have questions about how that's all used, please feel free to ask. Do you believe God has a word for the church today that he's revealing to you? Sometimes he does that. Sometimes he gives us something for ourselves or for a friend. Sometimes it's for the body. If you believe that he's revealing that to you, we ask that you would submit that to Pastor Glenn here in Cedar Rapids, or Pastor Michael in Cedar Falls, and uh, they'll discern whether or not that's for today, for the body. So I ask that you trust them with that. And we're going to take communion, so hopefully on the way in, you got a communion cup. If not, there will be someone in the center aisle soon, or you can get one. Uh, but just please, in the future, remember to grab those on the way in. It'll just make things a lot easier. And this is the time when we remember, this is the love poured out. There it is. That blood flow is like it's love pouring forth. That's what it is. He poured his life out unto death. Why? Because his delight is in you. Okay? And he doesn't want you to forget that. And so he wants you to remember. So when you gather, remember. Take this cup.
Jesus sitting with his disciples, instituting the Lord's Supper, communion, teaching them what it meant, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. That represents his body being broken for them, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. It's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup that is poured out for you. It's for you. It's for you. It's the new covenant in my blood. It's very personal. It's for you. Let's pray. God, we love you. (laughs) Not enough. Thank you for your love. That you would uh, reveal it. Open our eyes. Draw us near. Amen.